Hi everyone. Welcome to Adopt Adopting Wellness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That didn't go well. It went great. Let's try it again. Okay. Hi everyone. Welcome to Adopting Wellness Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Laura. And we are on episode three. How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. So this is the episode where we talk for 30 minutes and it's a shorter episode and we talk about our health journeys. We, if you go back and listen to episode one, you'll notice that we talk about our own personal goals, how we want to improve our own health and this is kind of the the place where we evaluate where we are and also to talk about what we might be discussing in the hour long episode at the end of the month. So these episodes at the beginning of the month are a little bit different. So it's just Laura and I today. Yeah. That's what you get. And we get to check in with each other, which is nice too, in pod That's form. True. <laughs> pod <laughs> pod form yeah so laura how have well actually can you restate briefly what your kind of health goal was back in february and where you are now yes so first episode i talked about how my main goal for myself is to just try to practice being more present And the way I wanted to go about doing that was to practice mindfulness in an intentional way. And I had set a lofty goal of five days a week and I'm not killing it. I'm not, I'm not killing it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, it's funny because I have actually run mindfulness groups in the past as being a, as part of being a therapist. And, um, you know, I've studied mindfulness a fair amount and none of that equates to actually doing or practicing mindfulness, of course, but I have actually checked, been checking in with another adoptee friend. Um, just where we both kind of have this goal for ourselves. And so it has been helpful to have someone else, you know, just kind of check in with on a weekly basis and see how it's going. And she reminded me that, you know, there's so many different ways of practicing this and it doesn't need to look like sitting down and meditating. And so I have been employing some, some of those other ways. And one of them is like trying to do things more mindfully. So not getting away from multitasking out of habit, I'm doing a lot of different like projects and things right now. And so sometimes when I'm at my computer, I mean, you know how it is, like you'll get like an email or a text or whatever, and whatever you're in process doing, you can get pulled out of that really easily. So something I've been working, I use is the Pomodoro method. Have you heard of this? Nope. Okay. So it's a, it's helped me a lot with my focus because, and I used it actually during grad school also. And it's a, it's sort of a, it's a timer use, uh, technique. And essentially what you're doing is splitting, segmenting your time. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I have heard of it. I just didn't know there was a name. Yeah, All so right. originally it's named after the the little t- kitchen timers they used to make that are in the shape of a tomato, mm-hmm. which pomodoro is a type of tomato i guess it's a variety of tomato and so essentially what you do is you set a timer for whatever segment of working time i use 25 minutes which i think is standard and then after a 25 minute segment you typically get a five minute break and then you go back and do another 25 minutes of work and you figure out how many units of work you want to complete so i try to do no more than three before I give myself a longer break and the longer break is about 15 minutes. So when the timer bell goes off, you're supposed to get up and go do something different. Whether that's like, go get, go refill your water, go grab a snack, go, I don't know, whatever. And it has been helpful because when I get those distractions, when I'm working, I just tell myself the timer's going, I'm in my work unit. So I, this mm-hmm. needs to wait until a break. And so in that way, I suppose I kind of am <laughs> practicing mindfulness, just maybe yeah. not in the traditional way that yeah. you think about it. That sounds terrible. I huh? would go crazy. You know, it's interesting because you know how, you know how our brains work sometimes where we have that ability to, to sometimes we can hyper-focus on things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah like tunnel vision almost with your brain, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there are are many times where I've skipped my break because I'm in the middle of something and I Mm -hmm. just want to keep going. And I don't see that as a failure. I think it's more like more a practice of, Oh, let's put off the distraction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Yeah. it, it is hard sometimes to follow the timer. And I know exactly what that timer is because my mom has one Mm -hmm. in her kitchen. Yes. It's probably 25, 30 years old. Yeah. But there are great like apps now. I just downloaded a free one for my computer and it's like integrated into my little uh, task bar at the top of my computer. It has a little number that counts down if I'm curious how much time I have left. So it's just, you know, there's infinite tools at our disposal for doing things like this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I guess that's my quote unquote progress (laughs) with mindfulness, which that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's working for me. You know what I mean? Which is good. I think I still am struggling quite a bit when it comes to utilizing mindfulness as self-care. I'm not Mm -hmm. as good at that. When it comes to work, I can put my head down and I can knock it out. But I I do tend to get myself in a place where I'm like, oh, I haven't taken a break today or, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. What about you and your your goal? Oh, boy. Well, my goal was to maintain taking all of my medication so if you go back to episode one, I talked to, I told a really long story about my diabetes journey. A really and, important story. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of mental health that goes into the cycle. But one of the things that was crucial in the journey was that I wasn't taking all of my medicine, specifically my insulin. I could take all of my oral medications um, 
could take them every day, but it was the insulin that was so hard. It like, I don't know what it was. I really can't pinpoint it, except I just felt like it disrupted my desire to eat. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine all the effects it has. That's like all encompassing. Yeah. yeah. So I have, yeah, I, I have really struggled with that. Um, consistency is yeah. really what we're talking about. But anyway, so I wanted to, I've been doing this since November, like consistently every day. And I've been doing really well. I recently switched jobs in December, January, and my new position is a work from home. And I honestly don't know if I could ever do this consistently, the diabetes like regiment, um, if I still worked in an office. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier doing it at home. I I know like first thing if I'm gonna eat, then I I take my insulin and and like there's just a lot of materials. There's a lot of um, supplies that you need to mm-hmm. carry, and I have bags that carry them. They're like custom for that, but I it, it's just so easy. It's so much easier, and like when you struggle with something. All you really want is convenience. Yeah. Sometimes. And for me, I'm I would pay money for convenience. Well, yeah. Hey. I mean, when it's however many times a day, at least three times a day, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's not just convenience for convenience sake. That's that's real life. Like you have to be able to fit that in to everything else that you have to do during your yeah. day, right? Yeah. I'm taking insulin four times a day mm-hmm. and um, eight, eight other medications. Yeah. It's a big chunk of your day. Yeah, it is. So I've been, I've been really proud of myself. I feel like there's been a lot of progress. I, if anyone knows anything about blood sugars, I was, when I first started monitoring my blood sugar, it was like in the four or five hundreds, which mm. is pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it gets high, like as a as a spike. But I'm living more in like the mid two hundreds, wow. which is a a really good. Uh, I guess it's really good progress. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not where I should be, but with the amount of time that I've had. I mean, that's really good progress. What is your marker that your doctor or whoever gave you to try to strive for? Do you know? It should be, I mean, like fasting in the morning, it should be between 80 and 100. Okay. And, you know, I was sometimes waking up in the 450s. Mm, That's like hospital visit level, right? Yeah. 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 So I, yeah. I am very happy with wow. the progress. Amazing yeah. job. Thank you. That's so good. Thanks. What do you feel like has helped you between like last episode and this episode? Have you tried anything different or do you feel like there's a mindset sh- shift or anything like that that has helped you maintain that level of consistency? Well, for one, 
I got a continuous glucose monitor. Mm. So that being on my body consistently and having those, having that data available is insane. It is unbelievable and life changing to yeah. how someone manages diabetes. Mm. I mean, it, it makes you second guess like what you're going to eat when you're going to eat. It's just incredible. I, I am amazed. So I think I, I just started that a month or a month and a half. No, it's only been a month, a month ago. So it really has impacted the way that I manage. Mm. And yeah, and it's, it's just been amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. What about you? I, I talked about like the check-in thing with, with the adoptee friend, which was helpful, but I don't, I don't know. I think, I think if I'm being honest, my level of anxiety this last month has been extremely high and it's not like, I don't want to invalidate my emotional experience by saying that there's like no reason, but there are times mm -hmm. where I think my anxiety is elevated. And if, if I can't figure out what the discernible reason is, it's like it becomes that perpetual cycle that's really hard to break out of, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like trying to practice mindfulness, even when you feel like you're you're on a relatively level baseline is tough. And then trying to practice mindfulness when your anxiety is like a 12 out of 10. Yeah. Um, one, it, it may not be appropriate, but two, it sucks. It's not, it's not fun. Yeah. So I have a question. Is there a difference between how you manage your anxiety when you know what is creating the anxiety versus not knowing? That's is there such a, a good question. How you manage? That's such a good question. Um, Thank you. I probably. <laughs> well done. I, yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like there is, and I, I think it stems in that validation where it's easier for me. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's also this level of like, you know, how anxiety can get where you feel out of control really quickly. And I mm. think if you have a reason, it's a little bit easier to kind of like find your footing, you know, and like, Oh, this mm -hmm. is what's happening. Or at least, at least, have access to this idea that this feeling might, ha might end because there's a, there's a, um, uh, impetus for it, right? Like you, you kind of mm -hmm. know where it, where it started. I think one of the things that I've really struggled with is that there, that is the times where the anxiety's coming and I just don't, I don't know how to validate myself when it doesn't have a tie to what's happening right now. Mm. What about you? Do you feel like there is a difference? I often don't know why I feel anxious. Yeah. I think I naturally feel it in my body. I think when it gets really bad, I start feeling pain in mm. my chest. Mm. And and generally when it gets that bad, I can usually pinpoint why. Because mm -hmm. us honestly, usually when it's that bad, it's not just one thing. It's multiple pieces where I, I feel either trapped or feel like it's never going to end. Mm. And I, th 
those are outliers. But yeah, when I don't know, I mean, I really don't. I hmm. <laughs> sorry, I often don't have the the wire that connects the brain to my body. Yeah. S- meaning like I've I've said this a lot about emotions, how my body does not react in the way of typical emotions. So like my sadness, mm-hmm. like the way that I exude it, the the sadness, the happiness, whatever, like it, it's really hard for me to reflect that on the outside. And I think it's similar um, with my body, like how I feel in my body with anxiety and then my brain. And a lot of times I just don't know why I feel that way. Like I I feel the same way about depression. I feel the same way about feeling sad. I Mm -hmm. often don't know the reason why. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of a pattern that I see in my life. And I'm not really sure why I can't pinpoint that. But as far as like handling it, there's not a difference, I don't think, for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I I think that's that's really good insight to have because I know there are so many of us that have struggled with depression and anxiety that feels like it comes out of nowhere right? And where it doesn't have a discernible reason attached to it. And then I always have to remind myself, and I don't know if this is true for you, that, you know, maternal and family separation for you, Mm -hmm. you know, cultural separation also, like that's a big, that's a big reason. (laughs) That's a, that's an underlying, (laughs) that's an underlying reason, right? No big deal. Um, Right. It's fine. Just pull up your, those bootstraps, Katie. You know, it'll be good. I mean, I do that to myself all the time too. I'm like, why am I so, you know, and then I, but I think the, I think the challenge for me, and maybe this is kind of part of what that question you, you were asking is rooted in as far as what, what's different about it. There is this part of me that when I think about that underlying trauma and that reason, I just am like, yeah, okay. But like, still got to live life. Like, what do I do with Mm. this? It's just floating Mm -hmm. around. And like, I don't want to carry this right now. I kind of mentioned this last, you know, our first episode, I don't want to carry this right now. What do I do with this? And so my, you know, my brain really likes things that make sense. And that trauma is never going to make sense. Yep. You know, that's true. Mm -hmm. So (sighs) it's hard. It's really hard. And when we think about how we manage it, you know, we always talk about Mm self-care, always, especially in a a therapy, social work type setting. And it's so important, but I think that self-care is, is so beyond what, you know, a list can provide. Oh yeah. You know, like I, I don't know. I, for me, for example, I have no hobbies. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've already, I've already talked about this, but so like, I don't have anything that kind of brings me out, but mm-hmm. I do enjoy listening to music and I do mm-hmm. enjoy sitting in silence. 
And even though I have to sit with myself and I have to sit with my thoughts, which tend to, you know, be pretty heavy a lot of times, it still kind of helps me deal with all of these thoughts that are kind of jumbled together. And, and when I take that space to really process, then I, it, it becomes more of like a big picture type thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, I feel like even for those kinds of circumstances where it's, you know, you're not actively doing something, but in my mind, I am very active and I'm processing a lot. And I feel like that's, that can be self-care too. Oh, for sure. And I think we kind of, we kind of talked about this. I don't know if we ever said this in the episode, but I feel like this is, this is sort of implied with some of our values that we've talked about that, you know, we're not subscribing to one idea of what self-care is in the very Western way that it's been presented to most people where self-care looks like working out this way Mm -hmm. and eating this way Mm -hmm. and right. And like you were talking about the checklist and I think sometimes self-care is ignoring all of that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and just doing one thing that, you know, you need in this moment. And I, (laughs) I have a reel on my Instagram I made because I was in a major state of dysregulation and I, I was forcing myself to do the things I know that I needed to do to help me. And I'm like pouting the whole time. Like, I don't mean pouting like a child. I just mean, I'm not enjoying myself. Okay. It's, it was not a good time. Right. I didn't want to be doing any of it, but like, and I think there is this also this idea that like self-care is some kind of luxury. And the reality is that Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it freaking sucks and it, yeah, we don't want to be doing it. Yeah. You know, like it's That's not so all massages true. and like zen right? music and what now oh, yeah right yeah i <laughs> i wish i could get a massage every time i right i felt anxious or yes man that'd be nice that'd be great but, you're but right. instead yeah self care is part of the process of taking care of yourself but also doing your own work. Yeah. And yeah. being comfortable with uncomfortable. Yeah, there are times where it's it's a full-time job to just take care of ourselves. Yes. You know, it's yes. Yeah. And and I want to normalize that because I think everyone goes through those times and I I think like we talked about adoptees go through those times and spend a lot of time thinking that there's something wrong with us, that it's that hard, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. There's a lot of guilt and shame around and not, I think for adoptees especially, but, but even just non-adoptees, there's so much shame, so much guilt surrounding like not being able to do things for yourself, like, well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, for me, I feel like, if I don't do the self care that's in my brain, that I'm just like, this is the epitome of yeah. self care. And if I don't do that, then I have failed taking care of myself. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then I just feel even worse than when I originally tried. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. That's what I, I've been working so hard at trying to like, trying not to do that to myself, but I, I do that. Exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't look just, just so like I, even in my planner, I have a little tracker, mm-hmm. um, which can be helpful for like setting new habits, you know, but I have to remind myself that like not filling in that little square of not like exercising today <laughs> is not <laughs> like, this isn't <laughs> kindergarten with the gold stars. Like no one's actually, it's just, yeah, it's okay. You know? Yes. So Actually, I started exercising using this app that I really like, and I had started doing it before I got my continuous glucose monitor, Um, and what I realized after I got that, so I was like really consistent for about a week and a half, and I was actually really excited. I was doing well. And then I got my continuous glucose monitor and realized that I was exercising at such high levels of my blood sugar, which can also increase your blood sugar if, oh. if you're too high. So I haven't been able to do that because my blood sugar is way too high um, at this point. But it, it was so disappointing for me, like because yeah. I, I was tracking it on, on the app and I was like, I have done this every day for a week and a half and I don't hate it. Like this is mind blowing. That's a huge and accomplishment. Then, I know. Thank you. Yeah. And, and then I felt disappointed because yeah, like the, the check mark isn't there anymore and it's I'll just marker. have to wait until. <laughs> We love checklists. I do. We do. Yeah. Yep. Feels real good. It does. So. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're dreaming of checklists right now. It's happening. Yeah. 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 Oh, I did want to show you something live. Show me. Are you ready? Yep. Are you ready? I Dun-da-da. think I'm ready. <gasps> oh my God. It's so cute. I love it. Right? Yes. And okay. So for the listeners, I <gasps> got, I got an adopting wellness tote bag it's and it's so a cool. canvas tote bag with our logos on front and back and it's black and like off white. Yeah. It's perfect. And it's adorable. Well, we might have to be offering. Yeah. We might have to offer some merch in the future. Cause if, so if you're interested, let us know, we'll have to get enough people interested, but yeah, um, it's true. It looks great. I love it. Cause these things are not cheap. Nope. They're not. (laughs) They are not. It never is. Yeah. Friend, tell me your health tip that you were going to share because I think it's a really important one. Yes. So as we explained in our first episode, we're also going to give a health tip that we've done or are going to try to do. And when I did a diabetes program, 
there was a challenge, which I ended up winning. Oh, I know I did. I did. The challenge was to drink 80 ounces of water a day for two weeks straight. And whoever had the most, uh, well, whoever had been consistent within those two weeks won. I got a gift card. I got a $50 gift card. Nice. So that is our challenge to you. I have been drinking water. We, Laura and I just realized we have the same exact um, Stanley tumbler. Thing. We're bougie like that. We are. We are. So that is my goal is to drink. I think this is only 40 ounces. Yeah. So, I, so two of so those. My goal is two of mm-hmm. those. So we're challenging you listeners to try and drink 80 ounces of water a day. Yes. There are Mm -hmm. multiple research studies across multiple decades at this point that show that drinking more water improves almost every area of health you can imagine. Um, I know blood sugar is one of those. I know sleep Mm -hmm. is one. I know... Um, vascular health is one. Um, there, yeah, there's been a lot, a lot of research. Brain health is another one. Um, brain performance. So pretty much any wellness goal you might have can be served by drinking more water. It's true. Yep. It's true. Yep. Yep. Well, well, this was a good time. Great to see you, Laura. You too. You too. (laughs) We, uh, we appreciate everyone's feedback on the first two episodes and we are so excited. We're going to be talking with another friend of ours, Susan, later in the month. Susan is going to share with us some of her work with tarot and, um, some of the parts work she's done with internal family systems in her own, her own work. Susan is a really amazing, she's also an artist, so she's got that creativity side that we obviously love and value. Um, she is amazing. She's so great. She also is one of the only people I know that did your writing challenge every day over Nom last November. <laughs> Valid. Uh, there were two. There were, were two, there two people. Okay, okay. She was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And her, her was writing was incredible. Impressive. Yeah. It really was. Wow. And she combined yes. a lot of it with some of that um, collage work that she does also, which mm, was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're right. She's going to be a really cool person to talk to. And um, so we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have a wonderful couple weeks. Yeah. Bye. Bye.